Hey guys, my name is Aaron. Glad to see you today. Glad to see you online. We're going to be in Philippians, the book of Philippians. So head that way. I saw some of you with like physical Bibles and that's really cool to see. It just kind of warms my heart. But I can't get onto you too much about that because I don't have one up here with me, you know. So uh, I try to remember to bring one. But, uh, you know, if I saw our middle school students went on to their small group. But in case you missed that, if you're in middle school, you can go out that door to your left and down the hall. And we've got a great small group for you. I want to congratulate Josh Johnson, who led worship today. I didn't know this was possible. But you uh, introduced a hymn I had never heard before. So <laughs> had anyone else heard that hymn before? Okay, I've seen one person. I don't believe you. I don't believe you, Lindsay. Um, you're just like, he, he's being mean to Josh. I'm going to raise my hand. But it, it was great. It was great. It's just, you sing so good. I know that in the old days, hymns just stay right on, the melody. But, man, you, you had, like, something in your voice. So that was great, man. Thanks. Thanks for that. So a new, a new hymn, and, and we'll look for that once again. Well, this summer, I want to spend some time just teaching you a little bit, uh, maybe not preaching as much. Of course, whenever I say that, I end up you know, going off at the end of the message, so we'll see what happens. But I, I, I really am excited to go verse by verse through Philippians and see what God has to say. The title of our series is Joy Full. We want to be full of joy. Paul wrote this in uh, prison, and that's not a place you would typically have joy. But yet it reminds us, no matter what our circumstances are, that the joy of the Lord really is something that, that can get us through even the most difficult circumstances. So as was referenced during worship today, we, we recognize we're not all at the same place. We're at different places in life right now for various reasons, but we've got the same God and the same source of strength and the same joy. And he's going to really speak to us, I believe, through uh, this this small letter in the Bible. So the best place to start when you're going to go verse by verse through a scripture is with verse one of chapter one. So let's go there. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. That's where we're going to stop today, and we're going to look at a lot of Scripture, but this is our focus. Our focus is going to be those first two names, Paul and Timothy, and it's not really about Paul and Timothy. It's about a concept that you have benefited from and you will benefit from. The title of this teaching is Mentorship and Partnership. Mentorship and Partnership. And I want you to see that having a mentor and being a mentor is not just a contemporary expression of business leadership or, or some type of trade. This is a biblical pattern that, that has started that we have benefited from and we will benefit from. Jesus sent people out two by two. That was his ministry method. And I, I believe that when we go out in our name and we go and we start all by ourselves and we're going to go all by ourselves and we get the glory and we get the credit for ministry success. But when we go with a team, when we go in a pair, and when we go with someone else, we don't do ministry in our name. We do ministry in the name of Jesus. And I think about our church, and I think about all of the people who spend the next 20 Christ is Love Church possible. And literally, I could spend the next 20 minutes 
telling you stories and naming people who are here in this service now, who are watching online, both in our recent past and in our present, who make this church happen. And I wouldn't have enough time. And I, would, I wouldn't give people the proper credit that they deserve. They're going to get the proper credit. All of you, your gifts will be recognized by the one who matters. And when we stand before Jesus Christ. But the fact that when I, when I think about our church, I can't imagine doing this church and, and this church functioning without so many of you, without so many of you who play key roles. And that, that reminds me that we are a healthy church because we're not a church built around one person or one personality or a trend. We're a spiritual family. We're doing ministry in the name of Jesus. We're doing ministry together. We're doing ministry in partnership. We are mentoring others and we are receiving mentorship. So let's go a little bit further into Philippians. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 19, because I want you to hear more about what Paul said about Timothy. And I think this will give you some insight into kingdom principles. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interest. All seek their own interest, not that of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character. Isn't that a great line there? His proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. So here it is that there's such a, there's such a belief in Timothy. He has proven character that Paul says, when I send Timothy, it's like me being there. I know his character I know his life. He knows my character. He knows my life. He can represent me because they're doing ministry together in the name of Jesus. Now, a lot of us have this insecurity about us. We think, well, I've never had a mentor. Well, that's not necessarily true. Some of you, you've had mentors that you don't even know their name. I'm going to prove it to you right now. Think about those of you who can drive, which is most of this room. Who was your driver, driver's head teacher? Do you remember their name? I have no idea, no idea who the name of my driver's ed teacher, but I know that I'm benefiting from his benefit, from, from his or her leadership or whatever the case was. And so there, there's this idea that even along the way, we learn life skills and we learn things from the community and we learn things from people and we benefit from the wisdom of others. Mentors shape our lives. And sometimes it is imitation. When I was a kid, maybe nine, 10 years old, my older sister and brother, they were watching this show. Some of you will remember this, uh, half the crowd here, half the crowd won't. But it was when Tom Selleck was still a really cool dude. I mean, he was really great. N now Tom Selleck is the chief of police in New York, you know, in the show Blue Bloods. For those of us over 45, we watch Blue Bloods. Um, and one time I was in the office and, and I told one of the young staff members, I said, hey, there's this great show on TV about the New York police and Tom Selleck is, the, is in it and it's called Blue Bloods. And she said, oh yeah, my parents watch that show. It's like, yeah, busted. 
for Christmas, she bought me a, a coffee cup that said, I'd rather be watching Blue Bloods, okay? It's, it's a cherished coffee cup. But there was a time when Tom Selleck was like cool and a hunk and all that. And on this show called uh, Magnum P.I., he drove a red Ferrari. Every episode, he had a new good-looking girl, and he had plenty of time to play beach volleyball all the time. I mean, it was just a really cool life. And so I looked at him and thought, wow, wow, that's great. And so my nine-year-old self wanted a Hawaiian shirt and a Detroit Tigers ball cap and short shorts. Guys, it didn't work out for me, okay? This did not work out the way I'd hoped. So a lot of imitation, we see something we like and we say, okay, that's a life I wanted to emulate. And in the kingdom of God, that happens too. That's why we need to be in relationship with each other. That's why we need to have time together. That's why the things that happen outside of this service really matter. Uh, the events we plan, the small groups we have, uh, the different events. By the way, we have a men's ministry event this Thursday. And guys, feel free to register for it while I preach. I won't be distracted because... We used to, for years, we didn't have men's ministry, and the ladies in the church would ask me, why don't we have men's ministry? And the answer was, because men don't go. So, now we have men's ministry, and um, some of you, if you're not out of town, you need to go this Thursday night. I thought that was going to be funny, but everybody's like, oh no, that was scary. But the reason we didn't have men's ministry for years is because men didn't go. So, uh, I, I get tired of asking men to come to stuff they wouldn't come to, so we hired Jacob, and now that's Jacob's job. So mentors shape our life. And, and I think about historical figures and authors and well-known people we can't necessarily get to. They shape our lives, our lives. But we don't give enough credit to parents and grandparents and teachers and pastors and coaches. We don't give enough credit to our first boss who teaches us how to, how to respond professionally. So in the kingdom of God, we see this principle now that we can transfer from everyday life into the work we do here. Guys, we're building something for generations to come. We are here despite what happens in the national scene, despite what happens in what we call culture. The church is going to stand on God's word. The church is going to declare truth even in the face of opposition. And the reason that will continue is, first of all, because God is sovereign. And secondly, because God uses us to pass the kingdom of God to others through mentorship and partnership. Here's my first point today. God uses mentoring. I want you to feel this, to multiply ministry. This is not a corporate term. This is not about you reaching your potential in, in worldly things. This is about us passing on the faith to our great, great grandchildren. Okay, so Jesus could come back any minute. That would be great. And, and we live in anticipation, but we plan for centuries ahead. We're going to build something that lasts, something that stays on beyond us, something that continues. And it happens with life-on-life -life ministry, people in relationship with one another, people face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder, elbow-to-elbow, life-upon-life, doing God's work. We're not just receptors of content. That, that, that's, that's not what the church is about. The church is about us being in relationship with each other and advancing the kingdom through those types of relationships. Mentoring is a kingdom principle. You look all through scripture, Noah to his sons, 
Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Joseph, Moses to Joshua, Eli to Samuel, Samuel to David, Elijah to Elisha, Jesus to Peter, James, John, and the 12. And then Paul and and, and Timothy, who we're talking about today. Those are just a sample of the type of ministry that's passed down when we mentor others. This principle weaves all through the New Testament. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 14. For those of you with Bibles, I I should have given you a little more notice, but you're going to catch up with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 through 17. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. For you have countless instructors in Christ, but don't have many fathers. And and I want you to apply that to to both genders. You, You have both countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many mothers. For I became your father in Jesus Christ through the gospel. Verse 16, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And this is why I've sent Timothy to you. He's my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So Timothy was mentored by Paul to the level that he said, hey, I'm sending him. I'm repeating something I already said, but I want to emphasize this again. I'm sending him. I'm sending my very life. I'm sending, when, you, when you're around Timothy, you know what I, what, what I am teaching, what I am showing as an example. Guys, this is what God's calling us to do. We must multiply leaders. We must multiply leaders. People ask me all the time, uh, you know, are you guys ever going to have a second campus for CIL Church, you know, because a lot of, it just feels good. You know, we're one church with three campuses and stuff like that. And so here, here's my answer to them. My answer is, well, we're a few hundred people away from that, having to do that. But when we do that, it's not about writing a plan on a napkin. It's about multiplication of leaders. So when we have so many leaders hungry to lead worship and to preach and to teach Awana and to to disciple teenagers and to show hospitality in the parking lot and in the lobby, when that begins to multiply, then the kingdom starts to grow. The kingdom doesn't grow just because we're the trendiest church in town or we have the best music or we have the coolest preacher. There's no threat of that happening here. That's not how the kingdom grows. The kingdom grows when we begin to multiply leaders. And we multiply leaders when it's life upon life, coffee upon coffee, conversation upon conversation, dealing with issues, not checking out when issues come in people's lives, but walking them through the issues. Let's go back to First Thessalonians. Let's go now to First Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, let's go to verse 4. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Now listen to this. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only. We're not a dispenser of content. That's That's just a small part of what we do. But also in power and the Holy Spirit... And with full assurance, now look at this part. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. Let me just give some commentary here before we read the rest of the scripture. Yesterday when we, when we, when we gave a, a shower for Jacob and his wife Catherine, 
and we were doing all the things connected with that. I started thinking, you know, this is the kingdom of God because we're living together. We're living together. We're, we're living out the kingdom. We're, we're not just people who gather to hear the same message. We live the same message. We live it out through interaction and through things like showers and taking meals to people and crying with people at funerals. And, and, you know, maybe driving an hour and a half to a funeral because five years ago you were in a small group with somebody and you loved them and you know they need, they need presents. That's what the kingdom of God is. And so now back to the scripture at the end of verse 5. You know we lived among you for your benefit, verse 6. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when in spite of severe persecution you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. We are called to multiply leaders, and we do that when we live together. We live together. We interact, and you guys are doing that. I mean, you're here. You're, you're participating. You're part of what, what's happening. Here's number two to, today. It's a two-point sermon. So mentoring is a paradox. It's both intentional and it's natural. It's not either or. It's both of those. You intentionally find a mentor and receive mentorship, and then it naturally happens depending on the relationship. To be a mentor, let's talk about that for a second. You're only a mentor if you give. You, you, don't, you don't have the privilege of mentoring someone if you don't give. Every single one of you are called to be mentors. Every single one of you. Every single one of you are called to be a mentor. And you can mentor by giving your life. Let's go to Acts 16 and we'll see the beginning of the relationship between Paul and Timothy. So Paul went on to Derby and Lystra. I'm in verse 1 of Acts 16. Where there was a disciple named Timothy. This is how it all started. The son of a believing Jewish woman. But his father was a Greek, so we have some issue there that, that are some perceived obstacles that he may have faced. Verse 2, the brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium, which is the local church, guys. So the local church spoke highly of him. Let me just tell you something. If you've got a dream to, be, to do something great for, Lord, for the Lord, it starts in the local church. It starts with building your reputation in the church God's called you to. You don't, you don't receive an invitation to a church and then serve the church. You serve first. Verse 3. Now here's the key part. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. So he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that place. And we'll just stop there. This idea of taking Timothy on a ministry trip. And, and I know that. I, I've received mentoring and given, given mentoring through, through teaching and so forth. But the best mentoring I've received is when I've traveled with people. That's some of the best mentoring. First of all, I find out who they really are. Uh, when we start doing mission trips again, you'll find out what people are really like about day four. About day four, that's when character really starts 
uh, shaping us. And then as I've mentored people, when I take them on trips and as we go, and it doesn't have to be to a foreign country. I mean, it could be to exotic places like Alabama. You know, I took, I've done that before, Kentucky. And, and just that movement and that, that getting out of your normal context, it, it begins to, that's part of the mentoring process. And so mentoring is one of the most rewarding things. And you can take the scripture down now. I'm not going to read the rest. It's one of the most rewarding things you, you will ever do but it will cost you. If you want to be a mentor, it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you dinner on Wednesday nights sometimes, or it's going to cost, it cost you, you know, a relaxing Sunday morning. It will cost, and it will be disappointing. There are times, and I've got a long list of people I've mentored that didn't either stay in the faith or I'm not in relationship with any more because of the enemy's work, if you ask me. And, and the fruit of their life proves that. So th- this is the, the, the disappointment that's in mentoring. But guys, it's worth it because it's what we're called to do and it's how the kingdom advance. It's intrinsically fulfilling. Any sacrifice you make for someone else is worth it because the Lord honors that and the Lord the Lord begins to grow his kingdom that way. Now, let me talk about this, this insecurity we have about not being mentored. A lot of us are like, oh, I've never been mentored. And we wrongly believe that someday we're going to get a phone call or a text and someone's going to say, you are so special. Can I mentor you? Can I do that? It just doesn't happen that way. I've actually tried to do that a couple of times. And when I've tried to do that for people, the relationship hasn't worked. So the mentee pursues the, men, the mentor. And so a lot of us today, there may be a little bit of a whining attitude in us. Like, I've never had a mentor. Go find one. Just text someone. Call someone. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to coffee. Get into their world. And if it doesn't go well, go to the next person on your list. That person missed out, Right? And you just find someone you admire and spend time with them. And take what they all give you. I have a really what I call a constellation of mentors. I mean, just so many mentors because I get different things from different people. And, and it's not one person that I mimic and follow. It's a constellation of people. And I take what I get from them. I take, there, there was a national author that I used to be an acquaintance with, and even this week I decided to apply my sermon, and I, mentor, I, I emailed him. I said, we haven't spoken in years. I'd love to get together sometime, and, and I knew that he had moved to, to another part of Middle Tennessee, and he said, well, I don't live in Hendersonville anymore. So I wrote him back and said, that's okay. I'll come to you, and he never wrote me back. So, hey, I can cross him off my list. He missed out, man. He missed out. No big deal. Move to the next guy. And I can just write off that relationship in my life unless he emails me this afternoon. And then, uh, then I'll be so blessed by that. So allow God to take that desire and move it to action. Here's a couple of ways that mentoring happens. It's naturally um, Repeating some things we've already talked about. The most effective mentoring happens in daily life. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you 
not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. That's why I don't really, I know that churches describe, use this description to uh, identify people, but I don't believe in teaching pastors. No one's so good of a teacher that they just teach and that's all they do. A pastor is a pastor and teaching is part of what we do, but part of what we do is, um, is visit the whole thing. The whole thing is part of it. Here's the last scripture today. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse one. This is such a bold statement. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Guys, as I've, as I've been working on this and, and, and looking at this teaching this week that, man, I realized um, how this is such a great evaluation for where I am in life right now. Like there's a lot of things I need to sharpen up in my life uh, so that I can be a better leader. And I realized too that the people I admire most are not impressive because I'm not impressed by their education. I'm not impressed by um, all the things they've accomplished. I'm impressed by their character. I'm impressed by the way that they live their lives, the way they treat uh, people who, who may not give them anything. And that's what really matters. So here's the last two things. I have two questions for you as we bring this to closing. Question number one. Do you have the correct mentors in your life? Some of you are looking up to the wrong person. So you just need to do a course adjustment. And are you pursuing their influence? Hey, summer's a good time to do that. At the beginning of the year, I usually, are, I usually will list, list people I want to be around this year. Maybe 10 names or less. And I try to pursue their influence. And sometimes I end up meeting with five or six of them. Sometimes they don't email me back. But pursue that. Pursue that growth. Drive to the other side of town. Buy someone a meal. Pay for that conference you want to go to and wait till the end to say hello to that person. Pursue the right person. Don't overlook those of character around us who may not be celebrated by the world, but they have a godliness that reflects the gospel and they're there for you. And question number two is something I know all of us will benefit from this question. Reflection number two. Is your life something to be followed or avoided? Think about that. Are you the type of person that someone could say, if I follow them, I'm going to be closer to Jesus. Hey, here's the truth for me. Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. You guys have been with me a long time. I've been the pastor of this church for 14 years. Some of you have known me for 17 years. Uh, and some of you know me longer, but uh, the plant started 17 years ago. So you guys, you guys know my mistakes, and you know when I've done things that, that, um, that haven't reflected the Lord. Now, just in case you're wondering, there's, there's nothing you'll find on Google or anything. It's nothing like that. But, but you know, just me, whatever, being immature or, or just being ungodly. So, so, so sometimes, but I want to do it more. I want to do it more. And, and this question is, is shaping me this morning. Hey, do I have the type of life to be followed or avoided? 
If people follow my life, will they know Christ better? Hey, that's what it's about, right? That's what all of the scriptures that we looked at today said. Hey, we're not just sharing with you the gospel. We're sharing with you our lives. We're not, we're not just sending you a message. We're living among you. So, guys, hey, let's allow the Holy Spirit to change, to, to, to refocus our vision on life-on-life life ministry and begin to see what happens when you invest in, the, invest in somebody. That is, it doesn't even have to be someone younger. It could be someone older. It's not just the next generation. It could be someone who is older than you in chronological years, but younger than you in the faith. And you can be a father or mother to that person spiritually. So the Lord, the Lord will use that. Hey, let's pray about this together. Thank you, Lord. Lord, Philippians 1.1 starts out, Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy, partnership. Partnership. Doing things together in the name of Jesus. Sharing each other's lives. God, we want to do ministry in the name of Jesus. We want to do ministry for the purposes of Jesus. Lord, we just pray, God, that in the coming days, Lord, Lord, would you just begin to do ministry through Christ's loved church that we could not imagine, stuff that we can't produce ahead of time, stuff that springs out of relationship, springs out of connection, springs out of involvement. Father, help us to not avoid each other, but God, help us to, to rush into the places, Lord, where there's a void and where there's an emptiness. God, give us a proximity to one another that pleases you. Lord, give us, God, a vision for kingdom work, Lord. Lord, let us not just pursue things for selfish ambition, but God, that believes in mentorship. God, I pray for those who have been doing ministry alone. Maybe the Lord's speaking to some of you because you have held on to an idea, you've held on to a ministry, and you've been very closed with it. Uh, because you're scared of partnership. But maybe the Lord is saying, hey, there's, a, there's another partner. There's another ministry. There's another connecting point. There's another way you can do it. I pray for those of you who have had mentors in your life that you have, um, you, you have, you have just let that relationship kind of drift away. The Lord may be reminding you today, hey, you need to reconnect. You need to reengage. Some of you may have overlooked a godly person in your life that is a gift, like the Lord has given you a gift that's right there before you, the gift's right there before you, but you've overlooked it or you've disregarded it or you've let offense keep you from that gift. And, and the Lord is just opening your eyes right now. He's opening your eyes just in these summer months. Maybe your schedule is just a little bit different or that person's schedule is different. And this is a great time in June to do a mid-course adjustment. Don't wait for January because there's nothing special about a New Year's resolution. Transformation is just as effective on June 12th as it is on January 1st. It's, it's right now. Right now, the Lord's giving you an idea. Right now, the Lord's showing you a face in your mind. Right now, the Lord's reminding you of a name. Right now, you're remembering a conversation. The Lord's stirring up good works in here. He's stirring up the works of the Lord. He's stirring up relationships. He's stirring up interaction. He's stirring up the kingdom work because, listen, the enemy's strategy, one of his major strategies is isolation. For, we, for us to be alone, for us to just, just emphasize self-care so much that we're no longer in community. I love the term self-care. I love the term Sabbath. But what has been good can take us away from something else that is also good. And the Lord says, yes, a, a life committed to 
godly kingdom relationships is how the Lord builds his kingdom. All the way from the Old Testament to the scriptures we read today. It is not about Jesus and me. It's about Jesus and us. It's about Jesus and us. We're not going to heaven just to be with Jesus. We're going to heaven around the throne of God where multitudes are around the throne of God. Where every nation, every tribe, I mean too many to count are going to be in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about community. So don't cut off that gift God has given you. Don't overlook the gift God's given you because it's for you.